Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, have you ever, uh, have you ever been on a fishing trip and caught nothing? Come on, put your hands up. You've been fishing and, uh, and caught nothing. I've had far too many uh, of those trips to count. I've had uh, fishing trips where I've literally caught more seagulls than fish. I've had uh, nights where I've gone home with more mozzie bites on my legs than bites on uh, my line. I've actually fished with some mild-mannered people, blokes in this church, and at the end of the fishing trip when they, we caught nothing again, through their rod in the surf and said, I'm giving up on fishing. There are no fish left in the sea. Fishing can do that to people. I was uh, on a fishing trip uh, quite a long time ago now in the northern part of uh, Western Australia at a place called Middle Lagoon. I was fishing with a mate of mine, Tony, and we'd fished all morning and once again we caught nothing. Around lunchtime we spotted uh, a bloke on his own uh, just down the coast a little bit with a boat and he was going out in this boat on his own but there was room for three in the boat. And so we thought we would just casually go down and uh, hopefully get into conversation uh, with this, this old bloke about weather and, you know, the price of fuel and stuff that old blokes talk about and, uh, and, and the fishing. And we mentioned how we'd been fishing from shore and haven't caught anything. And after 10 minutes of uh, talking, he invited us the next day to go on his boat fishing. And so uh, we thought once we're in a boat and we're out into deeper water, we were certain to catch some fish. Over the next hour as we got in his boat, uh, a few things became clearer and a little more certain. Firstly, this bloke didn't have a little rod and reel like us. He had this massive, and this is the biggest one I could find. It was even bigger than this. He had this big game fishing reel. that You, you, you could have caught Moby Dick with this thing. It was the biggest fishing reel uh, I've ever seen. But what we realised, even though he had this big game fishing reel, he wasn't game to take his boat more than 100 metres offshore. And so from most of the places we stopped, you know, I could literally cast from his boat and hit the shore which kind of defeated the purpose of, of, of fishing in a boat. Uh, secondly, th- this guy wore old school short stubbies. <laughs> Who remembers these? I, I grew up wearing these to school. I, uh, I, I went to work with my dad and all the blokes he worked with, you know, wearing these. They, they were handy. They had a handy little pocket in the front where you could hide your lunch money. The only problem was they were so short, they didn't really hide anything else. <laughs> anyway, this guy was wearing these tiny little stubbies and sitting on the bench seat of his aluminium tinny. I saw a whole lot more of this old bloke than what I wanted to or expected to that morning. But he reminded me of a heap of blokes that I had sat in... Uh, site sheds with on building sites and in training sheds in, in, in footy teams. He was just a pretty ordinary Aussie bloke. And thirdly, this bloke couldn't complete a sentence without an expletive. He was very creative. 
Just the way he managed to get a four-letter word into every single sentence. Anyway, after an hour of of fishing and and catching nothing, the, the question that always comes up eventually, and I'm always particularly waiting for, is what do you do for a job? And Tony, my mate, was a boiler maker, and he actually made aluminium boats. And so we got into a conversation, you know, about boats. And then for the next few minutes, we carefully, we had a careful analysis of every weld on his boat. And then I got to my turn. I said I was a pastor of a church. And as usual, there was just crickets. <laughs> Awkward silence. And he didn't say anything, but I could see it going on in his head. There was a careful analysis of everything he'd said in the last hour. (laughs) When When he finally managed to talk to me again, he said, are you allowed to have, are you allowed to get married and have a family? Or is that against the rules? Now, the day before, he'd actually met Susan and my four children. But he was, he was pretty certain that one of, the, one of the rules of being a pastor or, or a priest was that you, there was no marriage and, and no sex. And, and for the next hour, we still caught no fish. But there was a remarkable change in his vocabulary. In the first hour before the revelation of my occupation, there'd not been a sentence without a four-letter expletive. In the second hour of our fishing expedition, he didn't dare drop one expletive in front of the priest. I could see he wanted to. He just kept catching himself all the time because he knew it was against the rules. And I find this is the most common way that, that most Aussie blokes think about Jesus and the message of the church. It's all about rules. And if you're a pretty good bloke and you follow most of the rules, then, you know, maybe once you get to the pearly gates, you know, God will be happy with you. But, but if you break too many of the rules, then God's going to be out to get you. If you walk into church, the, the walls would fall down. Anyway, we eventually, we eventually convinced this bloke to get his boat out into deeper water. And we just got out a while offshore and we're in uh, deeper water and an old mate in his short shorts, you know, put down his rod for the first time all morning just against the side of the boat to put some sunscreen on. And, and after, after not getting a single nibble on our lines all morning, as soon as he put that rod down, I've never seen this uh, before or, or since, but his rod with this enormous game reel on it leapt into the air. And then it went horizontal and it started skimming along the Indian Ocean. And then it eventually dove into the Indian Ocean and disappeared into the depths. An old mate forgot that the priest was in the boat. For the, for the next 20 minutes, we, we drove around in circles, swearing at every fish in the sea. You bleeping, bleeping, bleeper of a fish. Uh, eventually, my mate, I, I, I didn't dare speak, but, but eventually my, my mate said, hey, 
Your rod weighs about 20 kilos. Even if Moby Dick lets go of the bait, that rod isn't floating to the surface anytime soon. The big one got away with about $500 worth of fishing gear. And once again, we fished all morning and caught nothing. You know, one of my favourite stories in, uh, in the Gospels, and, and I'd say this is one of my foundational stories uh, about following Jesus, it is about an ordinary bunch of blokes, just three blokes in, in a boat that had fished all night and caught nothing. It's in Luke, Luke chapter 5. Just uh, read the first few verses with me. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from shore, probably about as far as we were fishing from shore most of that day. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. You see, these guys were uh, professional fishermen who, who relied on, on, on catching fish to survive. And they were good fishermen. They worked hard for their money. And, and they were still working hard, even though they, they'd caught nothing that, that morning when, when Jesus comes along. And when Jesus comes along, it's just like any ordinary day. They're mending their nets on the beach just like every ordinary day. But this day wasn't ordinary. It was a bit different. A big crowd had gathered on the beach to listen to Jesus because people seemed to like being near Jesus. Everywhere he went, crowds gathered. People wanted to listen to his voice. And so many people gathered that he asked Simon if he could get in his boat, just put it a little bit you know, from shore so he was still close enough to speak to all the people. And then verse 4 it says, when he finished, he said to Simon, put your boat out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch. And where we thought this was a really great idea when we were camping in Western Australia to get into deep water, Simon thinks it's a stupid idea. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. You see, Jesus' request doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to an experienced fisherman. Simon knows this is not the time or, or the place to fish. You know, Simon actually thought that he knew better than Jesus when it came to fishing. I mean, Jesus has become a bit of a teacher, but they knew that Jesus was a carpenter. You know, he wasn't a fisherman. Simon thought that he knew better than Jesus when it came to fishing. It'd kind of, you know, be like me going to our IT guy when uh, the computer's frozen, which uh, seems to happen to me a lot, and, and saying, mate, why don't you just hit it or kick it? That, that's what I do. And he'd just roll his eyes at me because he thinks he knows better than me. Or, or when Susan comes home from teaching a classroom of misbehaving year two kids, and I say, why don't you just hit them or kick them? You know, and she'd roll her eyes at me, and, and they'd both ignore me because they think they know better than me. Now, now Simon, he didn't ignore Jesus, but I actually wonder whether he had a little bit of an eye roll, and he said, this doesn't make any sense, 
But because you say so, I'll do it. And then when Simon did what uh, Jesus told him to do, this is what happened. Verse 6, when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish, fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You know, after catching nothing all night, they caught more than what they've ever caught before because they listened to Jesus. You see, Jesus is a good bloke to go fishing with. He's like a human fish finder. You know, this this catch was simply not on Simon's radar. Simon wasn't going to catch anything without Jesus, but because he did what Jesus said, he caught the mother load. You know, Jesus did know more about fishing than what Simon did. But he wasn't there to teach some new principles to follow. And nor was he there to teach some kind of, some new religious principles to follow. I love what Jesus says next to these ordinary blokes, not theologically elite. They'd missed out on being the followers of other teachers. Those ordinary blokes, it's the traders of the day, the fishermen that were working hard to earn a living. Jesus simply says to them, come follow me. Think about all of the things that he could have said. You know, no, no other rules, just come follow me. No jumping through any religious hoops, just come follow me. No, no kind of, you know, fine print to get through, just come follow me. You know, no, no list of conditions, no list of instructions, just come follow me and get to know me better. And these three blokes standing on the Beach that day, they had no idea yet what they were getting themselves into. But when Jesus invited them to come, follow him and get to know him better, they did and changed their lives forever. They became Jesus' best mates. They they actually said Jesus was an ordinary bloke. He wasn't ordinary, but he was a bloke. He was a real guy. They became his mates They hung out together, they ate together, they helped people together, they healed people together. A few years later, they started the church that still millions of people today in nations all over the world are being blessed by. In time to come, they'd actually lose their life for the sake of Jesus' message. But standing there on the beach, Jesus simply invited them to follow him and to get to know him better, and he invites us to do the same today. You see, following Jesus is a friendship. You're not invited to follow a list of rules. You're invited to follow a person. His name is Jesus. He knows more about fishing than what you do. He knows more about friendship and family than what you do. He knows more about you than what you do. And this is really, really important. This is the bit that I want us to get this morning. He's actually more interested in relationships than rules. He's more interested in relationships than rules. When Simon realised that Jesus was no ordinary bloke, they didn't yet know he was the son of God, but they knew he must be a man from God because of what he did. Simon says, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. 
He sees, you know, the power and the wisdom of God in in Jesus and he sees his own, you know, disbelief and he sees his own sin and he said, because you're from God and I'm just an ordinary sinful bloke, you need to keep your distance. Keep your distance from me. But Jesus invites this ordinary sinner named Simon to come close and to become one of his best mates and to follow him and he invites you to do the same. You see, following Jesus is not just about a ticket to heaven when we die. Now, Jesus does, you know, invite us to his Father's eternal home. He invites us to sit at his table, you know, for eternity and to enjoy his presence. But if I, just say, if I invited you to to come to my home and sit around my table, you know, today for lunch. You know, I could, I could say to you, you know, as you leave here today, as you're driving out the driveway, take our new driveway on the left. Head on up the hill. You've got to watch for all the people coming from the Redland Shire who drive in the driveway the wrong way. I'd never do that. But some people who are running late for church do come in the wrong way, so watch out for them. And then pull out onto what used to be Mount Gravatt Capalaba Road, but it's kind of now an unnamed road. Road. We call it Old Mount Gravatt Capalaba Road. And then really quickly turn right onto new Mount Gravatt Capalaba Road. But before long, you've got to turn left onto Mount Cotton Road. And you head down Mount Cotton Road, past the Pentecostals, past the Sikh Temple, past the Jewish School, past the, the, uh, the, the Czech uh, group. Then might watch out for the, the miniature horse farm on the left. Looks like a lot of fun, but keep going. And then you've got to go under the Koala Bridge. There's an enormous Koala Bridge that's built and because every koala in Brisbane has been trained to walk up and across that bridge and across the road. I've been driving down there twice a day, every day for 14 years. I've never seen one koala use that bridge, but one day they might. And uh, then you'll get to a set of lights, you'll go past Priest Gully and uh, you'll get to a set of lights. Watch out if koalas haven't got the memo and they want to cross there, but keep going through those set of lights and then you'll, you'll cross over Leslie Harrison Dam, but it's just a little tiny trickle now because the bridge is the, the walls have got too low and then you get to a roundabout the roundabout it actually turns into Broadwater Road not many people know that but just keep going as if you're on Mount Cotton Road and get to the next roundabout keep going on Mount Cotton Road turn left onto Linden Road and you keep going down uh, there and you go through the next set of lights but the name of the road actually changes to Vienna Road you take a quick right onto Alexandra Circuit quick left onto Chiseldon then you turn right back again onto Alexandra Circuit because it's a circuit and then you turn left onto Hanover Drive right into Plum Drive where third house on the right or and you'd probably you'd you'd probably be driving around for hours trying to follow all those instructions completely confused or I could simply say when I leave today just stay close to me and follow me home I want you to stay close enough to me that you see when I indicate and you just indicate too you see when I stop you you stop too just kind of copy what I do. When I swerve to miss a koala, it's a good idea, swerve to miss a koala. When I bunny hop over a cat, you decide. (laughs) But stay close enough to me that you can follow me home. I want to encourage you today, that's what Jesus is inviting us to. We are invited to an eternal home. One day we're going to sit around his table, see him face to face. It's going to be a good day. 
But he hasn't left us just a list of instructions to follow and just to tick off day by day. There are some instructions in here, but go and read it again. It's essentially a big story. It's a story about a relationship that he's inviting us into. And day by day, he wants us to stay close to him, to follow him and to get to know him better. You see, Jesus is more interested in a relationship than rules. So I want to ask you today, how is your friendship with Jesus? Are you keeping your distance because you know you've broken some rules? Or are you staying close to Jesus, close enough that when he tells you to go, you go? When he tells you to stop, you stop. You're staying close to Jesus? Or are you keeping your distance because you know you've broken some rules? I want to encourage you this morning. I don't care how many rules you've broken. Jesus wants you to come close. He wants you to follow him. He's more interested in a relationship than rules. Let me just talk to dads and blokes in the room for a few minutes on Father's Day. It causes me great sadness that most Aussie blokes keep their distance from the church, the body of Christ on earth. Because I'm convinced that most Aussie blokes would actually like Jesus if they met him. They would. Irreligious people liked Jesus. Tradies liked Jesus. Even accountants and tax collectors liked Jesus. Fishermen liked Jesus. Nudists, I don't know if we've got any nudists here today, but everyone who walks through the doors is welcome. Thanks for putting on clothes this morning. But nudists, crazy new dudes like Jesus. Sick people like Jesus. Prostitutes like Jesus. People that didn't fit in liked Jesus. Sinners like Simon in this story liked Jesus. And I reckon most Aussie blokes would like Jesus if they met him. They just haven't been introduced to him very well yet. Jesus is a good bloke to go fishing with. He's a good bloke to have at a wedding when the drinks run out. He's a good bloke to have at a picnic when you run out of food. You know, he's a good bloke to have in a boat when you're stuck in a storm. He's a good bloke to have when you're sick or when you're stuck or when you're suffering. That's essentially why I've written this book. I, uh, I want to help you introduce your mates, your sons, your brothers, your uncles, the blokes you work with, the blokes you play footy with, to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this book really isn't for you. I'm happy for you to have a read, but I've really written it for your mate who doesn't yet know Jesus, and I want to help you introduce him to Jesus in a brand new way. And I tell you, there's no greater gift that you can give to anyone man, woman or child, than to introduce them to Jesus. On Father's Day, a whole bunch of dads here are going to receive some great gifts, socks and undies and ties made at school. I'm hoping to get a leaf blower this year because the facilities team keep whinging when I steal theirs. Some of you might get a book. I'm hoping nobody here gets a pair of stubbies. These should have been banned in 1979, never to return. They're obscene. But there is no greater gift that you can give to another person than to introduce them to Jesus because following Jesus is the only way to the Father. 
You know, John chapter 14, when Jesus is talking about the eternal home that we are invited to, 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 to be in the Father's house forever. He, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You know, following Jesus is a friendship, but following Jesus is the only way to the Father. It is the only way to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And today we're remembering the importance of our earthly fathers. We're remembering how important it is to a child to have a father on earth that loves them. And today many of you have been blessed by, by having a dad who, who loved you. And I also recognise today there'll be, there'll be some of you here feeling some pain today because you're feeling the pain of a dad that was either emotionally or physically distant from you. And that's real pain. I want to acknowledge that. And it causes grief in many, many families. I don't want to minimise it in any way. But I think it's a mere glimpse of the pain that's inflicted on people, on families, on this world that we live in when we are disconnected, when we are distant from our Father in heaven. You know, and Jesus said, I've come to make a way. I've come to be the way to the Father so that those who are distant from the Father can come close. And at the end of Jesus' ministry, he went to a cross and he was nailed to a cross. And on that cross, he put all of your sins and all of my sins, all of the ways that we've broken the rules or we've missed the mark of what God had for us. And he's put all of the sin and the punishment, the consequences for that sin on his shoulders on the cross. And he put it to death so we'd never have to face those consequences for ourselves we could actually come into relationship with the Father like the Son is in relationship with the Father. He made a way for us to come to the Father. Every man, every woman, every child. There's a famous story that Jesus tells about a father and about the importance of a father's love. And to understand the story, we need to know the context. Once again, Jesus is in trouble for welcoming sinners and eating with them. In Luke chapter 15, everywhere Jesus went, sinful people wanted to be near him. They wanted to eat with him, hang out with him. And, and, and he's getting in, in trouble by the religious leaders who thought that these people sitting around Jesus' table had no value to God. So if Jesus really was a man of God, then, then he would know they had no value and he wouldn't spend time with them. He wouldn't waste their time. He wouldn't waste his time on them. And so he tells these three famous stories that are still being told the world over 2,000 years later. Firstly, he tells a story about a woman that's lost one of her 10 coins. And he says that woman values that one lost coin so much that she searches her whole home until she finds it. And when she finds it, she, she is so full of joy that she throws a party for the community. And they're all scratching their heads. And so he tells another story. It's very, very similar. Although this time it's a shepherd with a hundred sheep who loses one of the sheep. And he says, the one lost sheep is so valuable to the shepherd 
that the shepherd searches high and low. And when he finds that sheep, he puts it on his shoulders and he, and he walks back to the flock and he gets all his shepherd buddies together and they have a big shepherd's party. And then they're still scratching their heads. Oh, Jesus just wanted to make, us, make sure that we all understood this 2,000 years later, that it's really, really important. He said, if you still don't get the point, imagine a father loses one son. And not just any son, but this is a son that has broken all the rules. He's making up the story about the worst son you can possibly imagine. A son that is so disrespectful, he goes to his father and says, I wish you were dead because I want your money. And then when he takes his money, he goes and wastes it all on wild living. Absolutely just wastes his inheritance. When he's got nothing left, he keeps breaking even more rules for a Jewish boy. He goes and lives with pigs and eats the pig's food. You couldn't get any lower on the food chain than this for a, for a Jewish boy. He's broken all of the rules. When he thinks he's about to die and he's got no hope left, he wonders if he can go back to his father and just beg to be become a servant in his home. He knows he never deserves to be a son again. He's got all his speech worked out in his mind. But as he starts to walk down his driveway, he sees his father at the drive and his father has been waiting for him since the day that he left. And his father, who and a father in this culture would never run and would never, you know, would be disrespectful, would never show this outward emotion. This father comes running towards the son. He doesn't wait for the son to get there. And he throws his arms around this son that has broken every rule in the book. And he hugs him. He embraces him. He loves him. He forgives him. He restores him back into the family immediately. He puts the ring back on his finger. He puts the coat on his shoulder. And then he celebrates with his son. He, he affirms his son in front of the family, in front of the whole community, and celebrates with his son, throws a big party like the community has never ever seen before because this father values relationship with his lost sons more than he values people following the rules, more than anything in the world. We have a father in heaven who just wants nothing more for lost people to come home back into relationship with him. That's what God is like. He... <laughs> Thanks, Toby. You're, you're a kind man. You're welcome, home. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that right now, but I appreciate it. <clears throat> oh, I can't. I've got to talk. <laughs> I can only do one thing at a time, like you. Um, I tell you, our, our nation needs fathers like that. Our, our nation needs fathers who reflect that kind of love to their kids and to their families. You know, I, uh, my dad's here today. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I've had the joy of watching my dad as an ordinary bloke work out how to follow Jesus in the workplace, in his family, in the church. And it was a great privilege for me when he turned 60 to be able to stand up in front of our family and his friends and say, Dad, you've helped me understand what my Father in heaven is like and I'll be eternally grateful. 
eternally grateful. My dad forgave me when I drove his four-wheel drive into the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> forgave me when I rolled the next one down the Hume Highway. <laughs> he affirmed gifts in me that I couldn't see myself when I was younger. And he's here to celebrate with me today. We need dads like that in our nation. And it's only as we know the Father's love that we can reflect his love to others. And it's only through faith in his son that we can come to know the Father's love. You see, Jesus says, others will know that you're my disciples, you're my followers, not by the way you quote scripture, not by the way that you sing songs, not by the way that you follow rules. He says, people will know that you're my follower by the way that you love others the way I love you. A forgiving love, a servant love, a self-sacrificing love, a love that always values relationship over rules. I tell you, following Jesus is not just good for you, but it's better for others around you. It makes a bigger life for you. Because God's got something for you to do that's actually going to last for all of eternity. You know, this won't come as a surprise to many of you, some probably, but following Jesus is better than fishing. Just put your hand up if you love fishing. Put your hand up if you hate fishing. Whether you love it or you hate it, following Jesus is better than fishing. You know, there's a fine line between fishing and standing on the shore looking like an idiot. But these guys, these guys had just caught the mother load. Even if you don't like fishing, you like fishing this day. This is the best possible day fishing you can have. But Jesus says to Simon, he says, from now on, I've got something better for you. From now on, you're going to fish for people and it's better than fishing. They pulled their boats up on shore and they left absolutely everything to follow him. They left their past they left their old life. They left their livelihood. They left what they found their identity in. They left their provision. They left what they trusted in because following Jesus is better than fishing. You can put anything in there. Following Jesus is better than football. Following Jesus is better than financial gain. Following Jesus is better than fashion. Following Jesus is, is better than flying around the world, taking life easy. That's just the Fs. You, you, you can put any letter in there you like and following Jesus is always better. And what he says to these guys standing on the beach, there is nothing better than following me and helping others to do the same. Go and fish for people. I, I want to help you do that. I, I'd love for you if, you, uh, if you've got someone in your mind right now. I want you to just think of someone in your mind right now who's a bloke and they like you. They're a friend of yours. They don't yet follow Jesus, but they'll listen to your story. Just put your hand up if you can think of someone like that. Come on, we should all have our hands in the air. Someone 
who doesn't know Jesus. They're a bloke, but they like you. They'll listen to you. That, that's who this book is for. And it will cost you $19.99, but if you hand over 20 bucks, I will give you a one-cent piece. You won't get it anywhere else, but you'll get it here at Gateway. I'll tell you why. Because that one person you got in your mind right now is one of the ones that Jesus was talking about. He's one of the ones that he sent his people searching for. He's one of the ones that all of the angels in heaven is going to rejoice with when they put their faith in Jesus. There's nothing that causes greater joy in heaven than when one person comes home. So if you get one of these books to give to one of your mates, I want to give you a one-cent coin. I want you to stick it on your windscreen, stick it on your fridge, stick it on your Bible, stick it somewhere you go often. And I want you to pray for that one person once a day until they put their faith in Jesus. Because I want you to have the joy, along with all the angels in heaven, of standing in that baptistry or wherever creek, river or bathtub you decide for them to get baptised. I want you to have the joy of standing alongside them as they put their faith in Jesus, become a follower of Jesus, and all of heaven celebrates. Following Jesus is better than fishing. There's no greater joy than helping somebody else become a follower of Jesus. I made the decision to follow Jesus when I was 19 years old. I wasn't standing on the beach. I wasn't fishing with my mates. I was sitting in the back row of a church in the western suburbs of Sydney. I'd grown up going to that church with my family when I left school. I didn't want to follow the rules anymore. The only problem was... I'd seen God heal my mum and I knew that God was real. But at that time, I thought that the main message of, of Jesus and the church was just follow the rules and keep God happy. And so I spent a couple of years not going to church all that often, but going enough so that I'd kind of do enough good things to keep God happy and to make up for the bad things that I knew was breaking the rules and wasn't making him happy. The only problem was... I was decidedly unhappy and completely unfulfilled in life. And I just remember thinking at 19, there's got to be something more to life and more to religion than this. And I can't fully explain what I did or why I did it that night. But as I sat in the back row of that church and they started to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I did. I decided to follow Jesus. I had some, like Simon, I had some leaving behind to do. I, I had to leave behind religion. I, I, I left behind trying to find fulfilment in selfishness and self-centeredness. I, I left behind, you know, treating women as objects of lust. I, I left behind excessive drinking. You know, I, I, I left behind, you know, some things that I thought were, were going to bring me great satisfaction, but just never did. I left behind trying to control everything around me. You know, I, I left behind, you know, the desire to, uh, to, to kind of not be noticed. You know, I left behind fear and timidity. I, I left behind, you know, the, uh, the fear of rejection and the fear of man. 
I had a bunch of things to leave behind. But, but I can say, just like, just like Simon all those years ago, he didn't know the adventure that Jesus had in store for him. He didn't know how life transforming that decision was going to be. He didn't know that Jesus would so much change his life that he changed his name and he would become Peter who is, the, who is the, the one who started the church that we are still a part of today and blessing people for thousands of years, millions of people. And I didn't know the adventure that, that Jesus would have for me. I just had to leave behind from stuff from my past and decide to follow Jesus and get to know Him better and it's transformed my life forever. And if you're here this morning, I'd love to give you an opportunity to, to follow Jesus. I'm not sure what you've got to leave behind today. But maybe there's some things you just need to leave behind and stop playing religion and decide to follow Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. But this is going to be an ongoing decision. It's a daily decision to decide to come close to Jesus and to follow in His footsteps, to get to know Him better. And we could start with a prayer right now, but it's going to be a decision you make every day. Can I ask everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment? If you're here this morning and you just know it's time to leave the past behind and to follow Jesus, you want to put your faith in Jesus, the one who died on a cross to forgive your sins the one who invites you to follow Him for all of eternity. I'd love to pray a prayer with you. Every eyes closed and heads bowed. If that's you, you'd like to make that decision to follow Jesus today. You want me to pray that prayer for you? Can I get you to stick your hand up just right now, just for a second, just so I can see it and I know who I'm praying with this morning. Just stick your hand up so I can see it. Bless you. That's cool. Bless you, mate. Good man. Who else this morning? Bless you. Good man. Who else? Just stick your hand just for a second, just so I can see it. Yeah, bless you up the back. Anyone else this morning? That's cool. If that's you, would you just pray with me? Father God, thank you for loving me unconditionally. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. And I ask today that you would forgive my sin. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. And today, I choose to leave the past behind and to follow him forever. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you put your hands together? Just encourage those guys today. Hey, if that's you, as I said, it's the first step in a lifetime journey. Can I encourage you today? Go with your friends, go with your family to our welcome lounge. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to just help you get started in following Jesus and pray for you today. Why don't we all stand together and we are going to sing that great old song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I've got some mates that are here today who I, uh, I love listening to them sing. And they're going to lead us, but I want us all to sing this. If this is you today, let's sing this together. I have decided to follow Jesus.